He is risen. But what if he wasn't? Like, what would change if Jesus were still in the tomb? I don't think it's safe to say that everything would be different. I mean, first of all, we wouldn't be here right now. We wouldn't be doing any of this. There would be no Easter. There would be no dressing up in our fancy clothes. And you always know it's a, it's a special day whenever I'm wearing a sport coat. And so uh, I wouldn't have to wear a sport coat. That would be fantastic. <laughs> There, there would be no Easter egg hunts. There would be no uh, Sunday dinner after church. Everything that we are doing right now, apart from the resurrection, would all be just a giant waste of time, giant waste of resources. We could be out enjoying this beautiful spring morning on a trail somewhere, hiking, mountain biking, road biking. We could be running. We could be working on our gardens. Uh, We could be cleaning up our yards for spring. If you really wanted to ruin a perfectly good morning, you could be out golfing right now. (laughs) If Jesus were still in the tomb, it wouldn't really matter what you did. Anything would be better and make a whole lot more sense than what we're here doing right now. But I think it's even bigger than that. The Apostle Paul plays out this scenario in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 about what what it would mean if Jesus weren't alive. And this is what he says in verse 17. He says, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still dead in your sins. Now that word futile describes something that is useless or that is empty. It describes something that is void of meaning and significance. That is our faith apart from the resurrection. It doesn't mean anything, which, which certainly means it does not have the power to save us from our sin. Without the resurrection, we are hopelessly lost and hopelessly cut off from God. And Paul goes on in verse 18, and he says, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. Fallen asleep in scripture is, the, is the, kind of the Bible's code word for, for death. Without the resurrection, death, our greatest enemy, wins. When we die, we are done. There is no life to come. And if there's no life to come, then Paul concludes in verse 19, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Meaning that if this life is all that there is, then, then the invitation of Jesus to self-denial is not an act of grace or mercy. Jesus' call or even demand to self-denial, if this life is all that there is, is actually quite cruel. And people should feel sorry for us because we have been duped by all of it. If this is it, then why would we deny ourselves anything? Why would we go against the grain of the culture and and face criticism and persecution or some of our brothers and sisters continue to face around the world, even death? If this life is all that there is, why practice generosity? Why deny ourselves of any comfort or pleasure that this world has to offer? If Jesus hasn't risen, then we are all pretty foolish for believing what we believe and living how we live. All that to say, there is a lot riding on the resurrection. In fact, I believe that the resurrection changes everything. 
Our entire faith and practice is built upon the truth that Jesus lived, died, and lives again. We tend to think of the resurrection as the final piece of a puzzle. That, that when you put it in, it kind of makes it all come together. It completes it. It finishes it off. But if for some reason that final piece falls on the floor or the dog eats it or it gets lost somehow, that like you can look at the puzzle and you get the idea. You can kind of see the rest of the picture. But in reality, the resurrection is more like this foundational piece of a Jenga game. Like you pull it out and the whole thing comes crashing down. Sorry, sweetie. Thank you. <laughs> hey, can we give a hand to my lovely assistant over here? <laughs> the entire thing without the resurrection, everything that we believe is meaningless. It is pointless. Our entire faith comes crashing down without the resurrection. And so with so much writing on this, how can we even be sure that it's true? How can we be sure that the resurrection actually happened? I think it's a valid question. Anything worth believing has to be worth doubting. If a belief cannot stand up to doubts and questions, then it might not be worth believing. It's certainly not worth building your life upon. But I believe that there is compelling evidence for an actual historical physical resurrection. And so if you're here today and you are maybe a little skeptical of all of this, you're here because a family member made you be here, told you you would ruin Easter if you were not here. We're glad that you are here and hope that you at least get a good lunch after this. <laughs> or maybe you are here and you have been a follower of Jesus for years but you're afraid to ask questions about the resurrection because you're not sure of the answers that you're going to discover. And, and if this belief of ours that's so core to what we believe is even gonna be able to hold water, you're, you're afraid of what you might find if you start asking too many questions. I get it. I wanna share with you this morning a few reasons why I believe. A few reasons why I don't feel like I had to check my brain at the door when I came in here today to celebrate Easter morning. And I won't answer all of your questions and objections today, but I hope that you will hear me out. And, and if you want to continue the conversation later, my name's Sean, I'm one of the ministers here, and I would love to sit down and have coffee with you and talk with you more about this. Hear your questions, hear your objections, your doubts. And we also want to make a little booklet provided to you, and it's called The Case for Easter. Uh, you probably saw it on your way in. Certainly, they're going to be there on your way out. Grab one of these if you have questions. It's not going to answer everything, but at least might help you see that there are some, some like real valid reasons why we believe this. Maybe you have someone in your life who's kind of skeptical about all of it. Pick one of them up and, and give it to them. Encourage them to read it. Maybe read it with them. But today, I want to share with you some reasons why I believe that Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. And it starts with this. Jesus actually lived and was executed by crucifixion. Like if you're going to believe in the resurrection, you have to believe that Jesus actually lived. 
That, that Jesus was not some made up mythological figure that people weren't like, let's just kind of create the ideal and that the masses will begin to, to live like and, and we can create an ideal society. You have to believe that Jesus actually lived, but then you also have to believe that he actually died. And not just any death, but the foundation of what we believe is that Jesus died by crucifixion. Like heart stopped beating, can't find a pulse, turning cold, dead. And aside from a few outliers, no respected historian, regardless of faith, denies that either one of these things happened. Pretty much across the board, scholars agree that Jesus was a real life person and that he was executed by crucifixion. Uh, one historian notes that there are 39 references to the life and the death of Jesus outside of the New Testament, meaning people who had nothing to gain by it talked about this man named Jesus from Nazareth who created a following and who was ultimately killed by the Roman government via execution by crucifixion. One historian, an, an, an atheist, um, sees this evidence as so strong. His name's Gerd Ludman. He says that Jesus' death by crucifixion is, quote, indisputable. And so to me, this one is pretty cut and dry. And you might find some, some pushback on, on blogs or on comment boards, um, you know, where all of the wisdom of the world resides. <laughs> but people who actually know what they're talking about all pretty much agree that Jesus lived and was executed by crucifixion. However, a dead man does not a resurrection make. <laughs> Plenty of people have lived and died. So how do we know and how can we be confident that Jesus lives again? Well, the second reason I believe in the resurrection is because there were eyewitness accounts of the resurrected Jesus. First Corinthians is one of the earliest letters that we have written to the church. The apostle Paul wrote this open letter that anyone could have read to this church in Corinth around 53 to 54 A.D., and in chapter 15, where Paul kind of breaks down the resurrection and everything that it means, he, he references a creed of the early church that, that dates back to, to one or two years after the time of Jesus. And this creed claims that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, which is the Aramaic name for Peter, and then to the 12. And then look at what he says in that very next verse, verse six. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. I think Paul is saying, listen, if this seems far-fetched to you, I get it. Like we don't have a category for this of someone who is dead coming back to life. But there are close to 500 people who are still living in and around Jerusalem who can vouch for this. Go and find one of them and ask them for yourself. Paul is encouraging them to go and verify his story. And because of the Pax Romana, the, the Roman peace that existed during this time, people would have been able to travel in and out Roman colonies and freedom. 
Because of the Roman road that made transportation incredibly easy, if somebody wanted to verify what Paul is saying, again, this was an open letter written to the church and anyone could have read it or heard it. And they could have looked at that and said, "Mm, I'm not quite sure about this. I'm gonna go find one of those people. Paul's like, there's 500 of them. You take your pick. Go and find someone. I don't think that he would have said that if it were all made up. Another reason I think the eyewitness accounts prove the resurrection of Jesus is not just because of what they said, but because of who they said said it. Now hang with me here, because I'm about ready to offend some of our 21st century sensibilities. (laughs) But I think that this is one of my favorite arguments for why the resurrection is true. All four gospels say that the first people to see the resurrected Jesus and tell others about it were women. And that's not a big deal to us today, and it shouldn't be. But in the first century culture, this is huge. You see, a woman's low social status during this time meant that their testimony was not highly thought of. In fact, their testimony wasn't even admissible in court. And so if, if the, the gospel writers are making all of this up, they certainly would not have said that women were the first eyewitnesses. In fact, it would have only hurt their testimony, not helped it. The only explanation for why we are told that women are the first to ex- encounter the resurrected Jesus and then go and tell everyone else, the reason we are told that is only because this is the way that it actually happened. No one would have said that women were the first eyewitnesses of the resurrection unless they actually were. I love that. And I think it speaks volumes, not just to the truth of what these writers are sharing, but to the important part that women played and continue to play in the church. In a culture that considered women to be second-class citizens, God revealed to them first the most glorious thing that he had ever done, and then he sent them out to be the first ones to proclaim the gospel message, the good news of Jesus and his resurrection with others. And finally, I believe in the resurrection because of the changed lives of those who encountered the risen Jesus. The same disciples who scattered when the Roman soldiers came to arrest Jesus, the the, the disciples who who were hiding in fear behind a locked door, hoping that the same Roman officials that came for Jesus would not come for them. These same disciples suddenly find courage and they begin to preach with boldness and conviction about the resurrected Jesus. They had encountered the risen Christ and they would never be the same. James, James was the half-brother of Jesus who went from being an open skeptic. I've heard someone say before, imagine what it would take for your brother to convince you that he's the Messiah. (laughs) That'd be pretty hard, right? And, And the same was true for James. James was skeptical. There's even one point in the Gospels that we read that James and even his mom thought that Jesus had gone mad, that he had actually lost his mind. And yet the same James would go on to become an early leader in the church and eventually be stoned to death for his faith. Why? Because he encountered the risen Jesus. 
Thomas went from doubting the words of his friends saying, there's no way that he's alive. I saw him die. He went from that to making one of the boldest confessions of faith that is recorded anywhere in scripture. Why? Because he encountered the risen Jesus. Peter went from denying that he even knew him, cussing out a teenage girl that claimed that he did, to preaching the very first gospel sermon. And history tells us being crucified upside down because he did not feel worthy of dying in the same manner of his Lord. Why? Because he encountered the risen Jesus. In the end, nearly all of the apostles and early church leaders died for their faith. It is hard to believe that this kind of self-sacrifice would have been done to support a hoax that they knew that they came up with. If all of this were a lie, at some point, someone would have said as the sword was being drawn, hey, guys, just kidding, gotcha. (laughs) Follow me, let me go show you where we hid the body. If all of this were a farce, someone would have fessed up as his own cross was being constructed. And yet they didn't. And the only explanation for why they were willing to die is because they knew it was true. They had seen too much. They had encountered the risen Jesus and they couldn't deny it. There's so much more that I could say about this. And books have been written on this subject. And so we can only scratch the surface in here this morning. But I want to share just one final thought. If, if Jesus is alive, and I believe that he is, what does that mean for you? What does all of this mean for us today? Well, if you're a follower of Jesus, it gives you assurance of your faith. Like the resurrection is confirmation of everything that we believe and we put our hope in. It validates our faith. At the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, as, as Paul wraps up his argument for the resurrection, he, he closes with these words in verse 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Why do we know that? Because we know Jesus is alive. Jesus' resurrection gives us hope for our own resurrection one day. We have hope that this life is not all that there is, which gives us the strength to persevere through the challenges and the struggles and the pain that we walk through in this life. It gives us the assurance that anything that we lose in this life will be considered gain in the next. And it gives us a promise to hold on to that as we say goodbye to those that we love who knew the Lord, that we will see them again. The resurrection gives us hope that something greater is waiting for those who believe. A place where death has been defeated, a place where there is no more pain, no more suffering, no more crying, no more tears. And if you're here today and you have not yet put your faith in Jesus, the resurrection means that there can be new life available for you too. If you have not yet identified with his death, burial, and resurrection through baptism, what are you waiting for? Let today be the day that you make that decision. The resurrection changes everything for everyone, and that includes you too. All of the pain and brokenness that you have experienced in your life, 
all of the pain and brokenness that you have caused in this world and in the lives of others, Jesus took the punishment for all of it so that you can be forgiven. He bore the weight of my sin, of your sin. God has made a way for you to find new life in the resurrected life of his son. And like a loving father, he is waiting for you, longing for you to come home. And if you are ready to do that, then we are ready to help you take that next step. Do not leave today without making the best decision you will ever make, not just for your life, but for your eternity. Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. And God has made a way for you to find new life in him. Jesus, thank you so much for humbly coming down to this earth, leaving all of your rights due you as God and taking on the nature of a servant, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross, to take our place and the punishment that we deserve, bear it so that in you we can be forgiven. And thank you, Father, that the power that, that, that made the blood move through the veins of Jesus once again, blood that had been poured out for us on the cross, that life, God, that you gave to him is available to us. And it can change everything in our life. Thank you, Lord, for the fresh start and the new life that we can find in Jesus. We celebrate that today. And Lord, if there is someone who is ready or who needs to take that next step, God, give them the courage to do it now. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can watch all of our video content, both current and past, on our YouTube channel? Visit youtube.com slash Sherwood Oaks to watch messages, series, and complete worship services.